Hi there, my name is Nick, and I'm going to be bringing you the scripture reading for this evening, which is going to be taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God. Thank you, Nick, for the Bible reading. Good evening, church. It is a joy to be together, isn't it? If it was January, I would still think you are stressed about Jen. Uh, it is Feb. Uh, it is exciting to be here. Um, it is exciting to be hearing from God's word. Uh, please bow your heads as I pray for us as we get into uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Uh, Father, we praise you so much. Uh, we praise you that you are this Redeemer who left his glory uh, to come to this world uh, that you await us in heaven, not only do you await us, um, but you stand to intercede for us. Uh, and so, Lord, we do pray that tonight as we get into uh, this, your word, I pray that you'd uh, bring it to life, that it would transform somebody who came in, uh, perhaps discouraged, perhaps struggling, um, perhaps wondering if uh, you truly love them. That tonight they'll be assured of that love. Uh, so we do pray that you'd work through your spirit uh, to apply this, your word, uh, to our lives. Uh, through Christ, Lord, uh, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Uh, so last week we kick-started this uh, series which is titled, You Belong, uh, in the book of Ephesians. Uh, and one of the things that we saw last week was that at the very heart of the Christian message is this concept that 
If you are a Christian, if you've crossed the line of faith, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you belong. Uh, you belong um, to God. Um, that this at the heart of uh, the Christian story. This is the truth that uh, you can stand on as a Christian. This is the truth uh, that you can rely on, uh, particularly as you live your life as a Christian and as you grow uh, as, a, as a Christian. And I didn't bring that up. Uh, it's not my idea, but um, it is Paul's idea. Uh, so every time you read the book of Ephesians, we saw last week that at the very heart of This concept of belonging is the idea of God as our Father. Uh, So in other words, the Christian story, as one pastor uh, says, he says that you can sum up the Christian story as knowing God the Father. So J.I. Packer is an old uh, pastor who said that the sum total of the Christian message is is knowing God uh, as Father. It is belonging to him as a loving Father and Over 20 times in this letter, you will hear about the love of the Father, the love that the Father has towards us. And we saw that this love that he has uh, for us, this belonging is not something that we work hard for, but it is is something that God has worked hard to achieve and to attain. Uh, So J.R. Packer says, you would judge and you would know how deeply somebody understands the Christian message Uh, by what they make of this concept of God being their father and them being their child. Uh, So it is quite key to us that there's two ways to understand Christianity. One is I want to work my way to have a seat at the table. Uh, And the other one, which is uh, the gospel message, the gospel story, is that God has attained a seed for us at the table. As we come to uh, the Lord's table this evening, in the Anglican liturgy, which we are part of, liturgy simply means an order of service and a collection of prayers that uh, people prayed over the years. It says we don't come to the Lord's table trusting in our own goodness or anything good in us, uh, but we come trusting in what God has done. Uh, so you and I have a seat at the table. We have a home and a belonging because of what God has done and not because of what we, what we have done. Uh, so we summarized it this way last week, that true belonging, true belonging is something we freely receive, not something we hustle for and achieve. Uh, so it's received, it's not achieved. Uh, and as we dive into uh, this week's sermon, it is basically an extension of last week. Uh, But this week we're going to jump into, straight into the letter to the Ephesians and just see this love of the Father and how he calls us to belong to him. So we're going to start off uh, by looking at um, this this, uh, 14 verses uh, as we we understand just how deeply God works uh, to bring us into a relationship with himself. And then we're going to think about the implications of that because every time in the New Testament the Bible reminds us or the Christian writers remind Christians and saints about some aspect of who God is, it is because they want those Christians uh, to apply it into their lives. In other words, the truth of who God is transforms uh, this, um, how we live uh, our lives. And such is the nature of Ephesians. Chapter 1, 2, 3, as we saw last week, speaks about our belonging. And then chapter 4, 5, 6 speaks about how we live that out in our everyday 
uh, in our everyday life. Chapter 1 that we're going to see is going to show us just how much God has worked for your belonging. I want you, as you read through this, uh, these verses, to just look at where the action lies. Uh, where Who does most of the work here? Um, if I put it uh, this way, uh, a couple of years ago, I was part of a university uh, student ministry Bible study, and the, the pastor there asked the question of, if um, salvation was a 100%, how much of that percentage do you, do you get to contribute? Uh, so as we read through uh, this uh, section, we're going to ask ourselves um, that question. Uh, now, over, over this weekend, I spend, my, spend time with my two kids, uh, six-year-old, three-year-old, and um, we watched a movie called Annie. Um, and the movie is about this orphan, uh, this, um, this orphan, or not really an orphan, because her parents are alive, but her parents left her off in a park somewhere when she was young. So she became part of the foster system in the States, and she moved from family to family. Um, and then one day she gets adopted by this uh, businessman who uses her uh, because she wants to run for mayor. Uh, so she smiles, she performs uh, for her belonging. Uh, but one of the, in one of the scenes, uh, we get to see her moving in into this new house. And she just loves it. She just loves the fact that there's so much space. She gets to have her own room. Uh, she loves walking around. She loves the fact that she has all the food and all the access to this house. And she bursts out into song and says, I'm going to love it here. I'm going to love it here. And so hopefully as we get into verses, uh, particularly verses 3 to 14, uh, we're going to see the glory and the majesty of how God works in people's lives. And we're going we're gonna to love it here. Uh, we're going to love the fact that we belong and it has nothing to do with us. Uh, before we do that, let me just kind of give you a summary of uh, our verse, or some of the things that we pick up from uh, these few verses, uh, one of the things is that we see that God is at work uh, in his entirety. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all involved in working hard to make sure that we get to belong. Uh, God the Father is at work in planning out our salvation. He's at work in bringing about that salvation through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he's at work in making sure that this salvation is sure by the work of his spirit. Uh, so in other words, if you are a Christian this evening, uh, God has planned out your salvation. Uh, not only that, he's achieved it in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, you, if you are a Christian, have the Holy Spirit in you, and this Holy Spirit guarantees the fact that your belonging will never come to uh, an end. Uh, so there's no clear structure, as I was reading the commentaries this week, of our passage. But one of the things that you'll see is that from verses 3 uh, to 6, Paul focuses in on God the Father and how in the past and in the present he's worked out this salvation. And verse 6, he concludes by saying that he has done this to the praise of his glory. And then he goes on to uh, from verses 7, to speak about the Father's work uh, through the Son. Uh, so he focuses in on the Son of God uh, up, until, uh, up until we get to 
verses 11 um, and 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that, verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then he ended off in verse 14. So he moves from the Father, ends with the, to the praise of his glory in verse 6. Uh, then verses 12, uh, he focuses in on the Son and he says to the praise of his glory. Then verse 14 also, the Holy Spirit is at work in making sure that our belonging will come to uh, will never come to an end. And he says that God has done all of this to the praise of his glory. Uh, so that's what we see there. God in his entirety making things happen, making your belonging happen. God makes things happen. Uh, God is not like Eskom. Uh, God is powerful. He doesn't appoint the minister of electricity uh, to come and sort out your salvation. Uh, he, uh, through uh, in his being... He works powerfully to make sure that your salvation is guaranteed. Your belonging is guaranteed. Um, so we're going to see this evening uh, from that section. Uh, we're going to see this working out of salvation in three different phases. One is in the past, God has been working. In the present, God is working. In the future, God will keep working, working out your salvation. Uh, number one, in the past, he has planned your belonging uh, so that it has nothing to do with what you have done before. Number two, uh, he's working it out now so that it has nothing to do with what you do now. And lastly, he will carry it even to the future and it will never be based on anything that you're going to do uh, in the future. So let's jump in to it right now. In the past, in the present, in the future, God is powerfully working to bring you in uh, to make you belong to him. Uh, if you still have your Bibles, I hope you can take it out and join me in verse 3. As Paul bursts out into prayer... And as he bursts out into singing and say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, Paul begins with a celebration. And we saw that last week, instead of uh, us beating ourselves up and thinking to ourselves, Wow, we need to uh, kind of work hard to understand that we belong. No, that, that is not the Christian faith. Uh, the Christian faith is a continuous celebration of what God has done. It's the continual looking away from ourselves and blessing God for blessing us. And that's what Paul does. He begins by blessing God the Father, bringing praise to God the Father, uh, for he has blessed us. Uh, how has he blessed us? With every spiritual blessing what are those spiritual blessings? If you continue to read, it is actually at the heart of it, uh, the spiritual blessing of him bringing us into his family, that we are part of his family. When did he do this? Have a look at verse 4. 
even as he chose us in him, when? When did he choose us? When the pastor said, come to the front? No. Uh, when you finally got over your drug addiction? No. When you finally got over that struggle you've been struggling with? When you finally stopped fornicating? No. When you finally developed confidence and assurance? No. When did he do it? Even as he chose us in him. Church, say it with me. Before the foundation of the world. Why did he choose us that we should be holy and blameless? So you see God mightily at work choosing us and bringing us into his family. Why is he bringing us into his family? Uh, So that when he looks at us, uh, he may say, so and so is holy and blameless. Why are they holy and blameless? Is it because of anything that they did? No, this was before the foundation of the world. Uh, Before your grandparents were born, uh, before your father and mother were working out as teenage parents, whether or not they should keep you, God was at work in bringing you into a relationship with himself. That is the gospel message, that before uh, the world began, God chose you uh, to be holy and blameless. He chose you to be part of his team. <laughs> Somebody says that uh, God is the worst talent scout. <laughs> uh, because he chooses us. He chooses us uh, to be part of his team. Uh, and that's a great comfort, isn't it? Um, there's a story of a rich kid. I'm not going to say his name um, because I might get a lawsuit. Uh, this rich kid wanted to be part of the team in the PSL. Uh, This rich kid went out for trials with sundowns, uh, with Kaiser cheese, with Parrot, and he was rejected time and time again. No, you cannot play uh, soccer. This kid was crushed by the fact that he could not belong to any team, uh, but uh, remember I said that this kid was rich. He was wealthy. Uh, His mom was a wealthy woman. Uh, So his mom said, Uh, I need to do something about this. I want my son to belong. So his mom went out to buy a team in the Premier Soccer League. Um, And guess what she did? Uh, (laughs) She made him chairman. Uh, She made him captain. Uh, And you'll see that at any start of the game, whether it's against Kaiser Chiefs, the mom says, I want him to beat Kaiser Chiefs uh, because they didn't want my son, to be part of their team. Uh, So you can almost see him uh, chubby because he's not fit enough to be part of the team, uh, stepping into the field with the captain, uh, Ben, or captain, my captain. Uh, And then at the 60th minute in the highlights that I saw a couple of weeks ago, they substituted him. And you can see him arguing with the the coach. "Why, Why did you substitute me? Uh, Why did you substitute me? Now, in many ways... I know this is a story of corruption, right? Um, But this is the story of our lives. If you are a Christian this evening, you are like this rich kid. Okay, just bear with me for a minute. Um, You did not, you could not. um, You would have never made it to the team. Uh, But because your mom has all the wealth in this universe, she worked hard uh, so that you can be on the starting lineup. As one African-American preacher once said, Favor ain't fair. Uh, Favor ain't fair. Uh, And that is the gospel right there. That it is God's favor towards us. And it is based on nothing that we bring to the table. Uh, God is the worst uh, talent scout. He would choose 
people who are not holy, who are full of blame, bring them into the family, bring them, give them a seat at the table, and say that you deserve to be part of this team. Where's the work there? Uh, the work is not so much on us. The work is on God, the Father. A few years ago, there was this song called Ude Du Seben Zile. Um, my dad has worked hard. And the song was, again, a mockery on rich kids. It was a mockery to say that all the wealth that you have, all the possessions you have, are not because of you, but daddy has worked hard for that. Uh, so you need to remember that. Uh, you need to remember that he has worked. We need to remember this evening, as we step out into this week, that God, rich in his mercy, uh, chose us to be part of um, his team, not because of anything that we did, uh, but because of his mercy and his grace. Um, have a look at verse 5, um, that we'll become MVP players, that we'll become holy and blameless. And then he continues to say, this same father in love, and this theme occurs time and time again, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Why did he do that? According to the purpose of his will. Because he loved doing this. And why? And why? Because it will bring him glory, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he blessed us in the beloved. God worked beforehand, before we can do anything, to bring us into his family. One commentator in one book says that if adoption is about anything, it is about belonging. A belonging where God as Father occupies center stage in this family. And I think if you want to understand this book, at the heart of it is that God worked beforehand. Now, many people get tripped when they hear the word predestination. Um, don't get tripped. It just means that before you could work, he was working. And notice what he predestined us for. Have a look again uh, at verse 5. He predestined us, meaning he worked beforehand for adoption, to adopt us to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, every now and again, as we read the Bible, we need to understand that we read it with the lens of our culture, where we live in. Uh, so when you hear the word adoption, so many things run through your head. As a guy who grew up uh, in the Northwest, there is no such a concept of adoption um, as we know it in the city here. Um, or the word um, adoption uh, in the way that we understand a family looking at a cute baby and then saying, we want to choose this one. Uh, so that's good. That is adoption as we understand it. But in the ancient uh, context in the time that Paul was writing, when they refer to adoption, uh, it was normally referring to somebody who's older, uh, somebody who perhaps had been a slave. Uh, many times what would happen is that the son of the house would pass on and there would be nobody to become heir to the inheritance of the family. Uh, so what they would do is that they would adopt an older person, an older guy, perhaps somebody who grew up in the family as a slave, and then he would get the privilege of becoming a son. Uh, but the key thing there is that he would have all the keys 
all the, uh, all the privileges of being heir to the family property. He would have, when his father dies, the same right as if he was born into, into that family. Uh, so this kind of adoption is about uh, moving from being a slave and somebody else's child into becoming a child of a wealthy, wealthy person. That is how they used to um, do uh, adoption. We're going to see in a couple of weeks that when you move away from a certain father, or rather when we become children of God, we need to remember that we were somebody else's child. I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 2 and ask yourself the question, whose child are you? Uh, there's two different fathers there. In the Roman culture, even if your dad was alive, if uh, this guy who was rich paid money for you to purchase you, or not purchase you, but to, uh, to give a thanks to the family uh, so as to bring you as a child, uh, you'd live in this household, and it would be as if your father is not there anymore. Uh, yes, you still function as if you are from this family, <laughs> But the reality would be uh, that you belong to uh, a new family. So what does Paul say? He says that God in the past has been working uh, to adopt us and to bring us into himself. And this adoption, as we will see, is not a free exercise. It is free to us uh, because we don't have to pay to become children. But it costs his son something. Have a look at verse 7. And that's what we remember also as we come to the Lord's table this evening that this buying of a son into um, God's family cost a lot. Yes, we don't pay for it, um, but it cost God everything. It cost him his son. Have a look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses. This redemption, this coming into a new family is costly, and redemption is slave market language. It is a language of paying for a slave and buying them and purchasing them uh, into a new ownership. Um, what is the cost of that buying from slavery? It is the cost of blood, uh, a blood that is poured out on the cross, the blood of the very one who belongs to the family, the blood of the Son himself, uh, Jesus. Uh, and this, dear friends, Christians, this is the pattern of the Christian story, that throughout history, this is how God has been bringing people to himself. This is the pattern of how God takes an unholy people and cleanses them and makes them holy and makes them belong. Uh, it is through the spilling of blood uh, that we see this uh, time and time again. And ultimately, it is through the spilling of Jesus' blood uh, that we see this redemption being uh, achieved. Now, in December, in December, I went home, back in the Bundus, uh, in the heart of the Northwest, where life began and ancient civilization began. Did you know that, uh, that life began in the Northwest? Of course you didn't. Uh, you need to read some more. Anyway, we are in the heart of it. And I was craving for the best meat in this world. And the best meat in this world is goat meat. Um, I know they grew up telling us it's things, but it is better than, than lamb. Anyway, here's the thing about getting goat meat. Is that you need to slaughter a goat. 
Um, so as a rural boy, I had never actually slaughtered many chicken uh, throughout my life. It was uh, it gave me pleasure to do that. Um, this is getting dark quickly. <laughs> I, I loved it because we had meat. Anyway, um, I had never slaughtered a goat uh, before. Uh, now, my younger brother, because he owns uh, goats, he gave me the knife. And for the moment, I looked at this innocent thing, and I thought to myself, I can't believe we're about to kill this guy. Um, unlike suburban people, we didn't have a name for it. Uh, so that's one of the things we don't do. Don't give uh, goats names, uh, because now you have to kill something with a name. Anyway, I took the knife, and for a moment, something snapped. I'm like, we want meat. Uh, so I put the knife to the throat, and there was warmth of blood that flew, and it, it came gushing. And then my brother said, no, just go through around and cut the artery. I cut it, and uh, blood splashed uh, on me, and we cut this thing, uh, and we, we ate nicely. That day, we ate liver. <laughs> And it was nice. It was a bloody affair. Now, here's the thing. I thought to myself, as I'm doing this thing, it is smelly, it is stinky, you cut out the guards. This is what the Old Testament priest, if you had a priest in the Old Testament, this is what you would have to do day in, day out. You would have to put your knife to the throat and slaughter that goat. And every time you did that, uh, God was reminding his people that for the forgiveness of sins uh, to happen, blood needs to uh, be spilled. That as you look at that goat, as you looked at that sheep, uh, you would remember uh, that you deserve uh, for your throat to be slid. Uh, but God has made a way. Uh, God has paid a price uh, for you uh, to be substituted. Um, there was a video of a city boy this week um, who was also in the process of uh, killing a goat. And uh, he, what, he was a white guy, and this um, a black Magogo says to him, look it, look it. <laughs> and he's looking away, not wanting to uh, see this uh, atrocious act. Um, but that is what we need to do, isn't it? Look it, look it. Let us look at who Jesus is and what he has done uh, to appreciate the love and the extent as, uh, uh, as which the God, God, the God of the Bible has gone through uh, to bring us into a relationship with himself. It cost him the life of his son, Jesus. That as we look at him, uh, we can know that for us to be holy and blameless, uh, it took somebody else's life uh, to be paid. For sins to be forgiven... In the Christian story, blood has to be spilled. Uh, blood has to pay for your sin and for my sin so that when God looks at us, uh, he would see his perfect son. And we would know that we are MVPs in this team, not because of anything uh, that we have done. It goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, um, that he, we, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, the forgiveness of our sins, According to the riches of his grace. God was not obliged to do any of this. He does this because of the riches of his grace. He overflows out of his riches towards us to bring us into a relationship with himself, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ 
What is this purpose that he set forth in Christ? Verse 10, as a plan of the fullness of time, that after all those sacrifices, in the fullness of time, God will display his glory in the Lord Jesus Christ as the plan of, uh, um, for the fullness of time to unite all things. It is a very interesting word that means to bring under one head everything, things on heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. As sons, we have a place with the Father. We have access to the keys of the home. We are in every way, in every right, we belong as sons. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Time and time again, we see that God is doing this, not because of anything, but because he wants to do it. And not because of anything, but because he wants to bring glory to himself. He wants us to look at him and say, wow, we love you because you loved us first. So to him says, what a miracle it is that I was loved, that a sinner like myself was loved. Um, it is a praise um, to God. It is an outburst of praise uh, like we see in verse 3. Uh, that blessed be God who has done this, who has achieved, who has achieved our belonging uh, in the past through the Lord Jesus Christ, that in the present it is not because of anything that we do. Uh, why does he do this, verse 12? So that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. He's doing the work so that we, who, who is the we there? Let's have a look at verse 13. So Paul says, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ, and I, he's primarily speaking about Jewish people uh, who first came to Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And then he goes on to say, in him you also, who is he referring to? The Ephesians. Uh, who are the Ephesians? They are non-Jews, they are Gentiles, who have now been brought into this family. And he says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You too, as the NIV puts it, you were included into this. You were included. And then he goes on to talk about how our inclusion is not just in the present, but it will know no end. Salvation is past, it is present, it is future. In him, you were also, when you, you also, when you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of your inheritance? He's the down payment of your inheritance. Back in my day, they didn't have credit cards, uh, so our moms and dads would go to the furniture shop and do this thing called lay-by. How many of you know that? Um, you don't have to raise your hand because you'll reveal your age. Uh, but a lay-by was paying a certain amount of money to say that this furniture, this piece of furniture belongs to me. I'm going to come and redeem it and buy it entirely. Uh, this was the down payment. The store will be saying this is guaranteed to belong to your mom and dad because they paid a down payment. And what Paul is saying is that Christians, when they hear the gospel, when they hear the news that they don't belong because of anything they do, when they turn in faith and trust what Jesus has done for them, at the cross, they get included in. But not only that, 
they are marked with the Holy Spirit. They are given uh, the very person of God, the Holy Spirit, to be at work in their lives as a down payment, as a guarantee of them achieving the salvation in the future. Um, So in other words, God is working for us in the past, present, and in the future. This baffled me as a Christian in, uh, in university when God, when uh, the pastor said, God has forgiven your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins, I thought to myself, man, doesn't that give you license to continue sinning? No, it doesn't. Because once you know that you belong, you will act in ways uh, that demonstrate that you belong. Once you know that you are a child, you would be turned in your heart to want to behave like a child, to know that my salvation in the past, in the present, in the future was never based on me, but on what God has done. My God has worked for me, and because of that, I can stand secure in that. I can stand secure that no matter what happens in my life, even if I sin, God has my back, and because of that, I can turn away from sin. I can have newness of life this coming week to say that this sin does not define who I am. I am not my sin. I'm a child of God and I've been bought at the price. And my salvation is guaranteed even in the future. Uh, that is what Paul uh, would um, praise God for. That is what Paul uh, would um, demonstrate to us uh, this evening um, to say, look at Look at, look at what God has done in your life. If you are a Christian, if you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, this is true for you. Now, why would you need to hear that again? Well, you need to hear that because of our constant battle with sin. Um, life is a three-way struggle. It is a struggle against our God. It is a struggle against ourself. It is a struggle against our neighbor. It is a struggle against us wanting God to be about us. But what you see in Ephesians is that God is about God. God is about glorifying himself. Uh, God is about bringing people who do not fit in into the team and to bring them into this wonderful team and say, look at those guys. Uh, They are part of my, my team. He's about himself. And very often we struggle as Christians as we face the difficulties of life uh, to realize that God is about God. We struggle with ourselves as we often disappoint ourselves as we go back to the same thing that we promised ourselves that we will never do. And yet we fall in time and time again into the very same things. That is, nobody disappoints you than you. Nobody in this world disappoints you like the person in the mirror, the man in the mirror. And so as you look at yourself, um, you are, ought not to be crushed uh, by that. That struggle ought not to crush you because you know that that is not what defines you, uh, that you belong because of what God has done. We often, again, struggle with our neighbor. Uh, we struggle with either comparing ourselves to them. Uh, we struggle um, by putting up a face uh, and presenting a sanitized version of ourselves because we are concerned about what they think of us. Um, as a parent, I see this often when my kids misbehave in public. I want to just bend them <laughs> and save them to be obedient. Why do I want to do that? 
so that people will look at me uh, and say, wow, that, that's an amazing dad. We, we struggle with that. And the more we lean into our acceptance, uh, that we are accepted as sons of God, the less we will try to find our belonging in our performance. And that is what we do, isn't it? We perform, we perfect ourselves, we please others, uh, we try to prove ourselves uh, to people. Um, when we don't understand what Paul says to us, when we don't understand our belonging, uh, we tend to want to grasp it for ourselves. And when we try to grasp it for ourselves, guess what? That leads us into more and more or less and less belonging, right? Let, let me explain what I mean by that. If you don't understand that you are a son, if you're constantly comparing yourself with your neighbor, what do you do? Okay, in chapters, later chapters, Paul says that Christians ought to refrain from gossiping. What is at the heart of gossip? At the heart of gossip is presenting yourself as better than somebody else. It is trying to make yourself holy and blameless by stepping down on others, isn't it? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Behind that is saying, well, I'm better than them. I'm holy and blameless in comparison to them. It is hustling for belonging by trampling on others. And the only way and the only reason why Paul and the Christian story spends time reminding us that we belong before it calls us to change our behavior is because our behavior can only be changed when we understand that we belong. Uh, you can remind yourself to stop gossiping, but unless you deeply understand that you belong to God, uh, you cannot kill uh, the deep-rooted sin uh, of gossiping. Unless you realize and celebrate what God has done for you, you'll always be hustling for belonging, like we saw last week. And when you hustle uh, for belonging, it destroys how you relate to other people. So the gospel is about our relationship to God being restored, uh, and therefore our relationship with others uh, being, uh, being uh, restored. Uh, so as we come to uh, the Lord's table this evening, let us have that in mind, uh, that God has worked in the past, in the present, and will continue to work in the future for our belonging, that we can stand secure in that belonging, and therefore we can move uh, towards others uh, through that security. We can move towards others, and we can move towards belonging to others uh, because of our belonging um, to God. Why don't I spend this moment uh, praying for us uh, as Royden comes up uh, to lead us in the time of um, the Lord's Supper. Please bow your heads as I do so. Our Lord, we are so, so thankful that we get to be part of this team. We are so, so thankful that when we look at our lives, we are well aware, more than anyone else is, of our sin, of our brokenness, of our inability to belong. Father, we thank you so much for the weight of your glory, the weight of the Christian message that in the past you've been at work, in the present you are working, in the future you'll be at work to secure us in you and that we can step out into this week knowing that what defines us 
is that we belong and we are children. And because of that, Father, I pray that you'd empower us um, to have newness of life, uh, to put to death sin and brokenness in our lives, and not because we're trying to work harder to please you, but because you are pleased with us. Through Christ our Lord, we ask this thing. Amen.